0: Uh, can you turn in your Bibles please uh, to Daniel chapter 3 and uh, I'd love you to follow along in the Bible okay so if you've not brought your Bible with you and you'd like to follow along put your hands up and we can get a church Bible uh, in the church Bible is page 886 and uh, we're going to look today at um, the lives of three remarkable men uh, Shadrach Meshach and Abednego And as Ali mentioned to you, uh, our subject today is courage to do the right thing. Now, when I mention um, the word courage, I wonder what pictures come to mind. Uh, I wonder if you can play along with me here. So, um, what what comes to mind when you think of courage? The Wizard of Oz. Fantastic image, Em. Brought you up right. What particular part of the Wizard of Oz did you think of? Pardon? He's oh, he's called courage. He courage. Oh, he needs courage. Which one? The lion, the lion needs courage. I love that, don't you? Oh, I love that image. You just brought it back to me. It's a beautiful image. Put him up. Put him up. Uh, yeah. Put him up. Um, uh, uh, right, thank you. Um, what, what, what else? What comes to mind? What image? The world, the operas, Sorry, say again? From the world yacht race. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Ella MacArthur? Yes. Yes. That incredible, just half a pint of a woman. Unbelievable guts and courage, eh? Incredible. A- anything else? My husband. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Living with you, Ross, I tell you what, that man really does need courage <laughs> to <laughs> so, Sorry, I know, no, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. No, right, no, fine, no, sorry. Well that was the end of a good ministry, right? Okay, fine. <coughs> i had totally gone this morning. Has totally gone? We've got Ali putting us between Welsh and English. I thinking, What was she thinking? Uh, and now I've just gone and insulted one of my closest friends. Okay, fine. Uh, I, I I know absolutely. Just the courage to keep going day by day when when your body is giving way. Parents of disabled children. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth, absolutely fantastic. Um, Out on the streets, um, week by week, who knows what she's going to encounter. Uh, uh, What about children of parents who are no longer the parents that they knew and love? People who care for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. um, Courage on the battlefield, our our warriors uh, at war here are some that um uh, i just thought that uh, i thought they were good images so i'll just i just put them up there um i <laughs> would how, how, how james has how james has done that um i don't think that is james but our james has done that no uh, uh, n- uh, next one yeah <laughs> how james has done how james has done that yeah sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah that's right he's uh, He's just jumping over a canyon on a BMX. I think it's a BMX. Um, Personally, I would have used a bridge. But you know what I mean? Hey, anyway. Um, So look at the next one. So look at the next one. Yeah. Ah, Incredible. Now, see, when you don't like heights, like I'm six foot something, and sometimes I get giddy just looking down. Do you know what I mean? I, I just don't like heights. And so I've just shown you some pictures of people who don't seem to have a problem with heights. But I must be honest, when I think about courage, those aren't really the images that come instinctively to mind. Um, one of the images that comes to mind is a hero of mine called Ron. You will have never met Ron. But Ron was so completely in love with his wife, that when she contracted MS in her early thirties he stuck by her and when the condition deteriorated so that he had to wash her and clothe her and feed her and do everything for her he was still there. And I've shared this with you before but it it's so powerful for me, it's such an incredible illustration for me as a husband about how to care for a wife And I remember remember saying to him, I I said, Ron, I said, this is remarkable. How have you you managed to stick this out? He said, because I love her. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? I think that's courageous. Uh, What about this one? Uh, I've got an image here of um, a courageous lady. Uh, Did you you read about this in the week? Uh, That lady there, what's her name? Vicky Williams Tillman, aged 56, from Louisiana. Okay, so courageous. It's wonderful to know that she's got some Welsh blood in her because there's Williams in that surname. <laughs> um, uh, she was driving along and she saw that police officer uh, being battered on the, su- on the pavement by somebody he was trying to arrest. The other traffic was going by. She stopped the car. She phoned 911 9- to get back up and then got out of the car and jumped on the person's back, uh, and then the policeman was able to um, recover recover some ground, and um, he didn't get killed, the the guy was actually reaching for his gun to shoot shoot him, Uh, this is what um, they said uh, about her, this is the police department Um, this is the Baton Rouge police department, for a special A salute today. We want to thank a very special lady. Earlier this morning, one of our officers performed a traffic stop just before 8 a.m. in the 8400 block of Harry Drive. Finding drugs in the man's vehicle, our officer tried to secure the man in handcuffs when the driver became aggressive. The 28-year-old man grabbed the officer's baton and used it to repeatedly hit the officer in the head. As the officer struggled with his assistant, 56-year-old Vicky Williams Tillman saw that our officer needed help. Uh, Miss Williams Tillman immediately called for more police but then went so much further, risking her own safety, she jumped out of her vehicle and onto the back of the 20-year-old assailant. Miss Williams Tillman was able to help hold off the assailant until other officers arrived. For going above and beyond in that moment to help our officer and possibly save his life, we are forever grateful to you, uh, Miss Vicky, for showing so much love and concern for one of our officers and the police department. Salutes you. Isn't that a wonderful story? Do you know what I loved about it as well? I don't know if you've been uh, following. I, I follow an awful lot about what happens uh, in America because uh, often what happens in America, you know, it happens there and then it comes this way. Have you noticed that? Uh, is the uh, incredible animosity that there seems to be now between black people in America and the white police officers? And here's a black woman. Going to the help of a white police officer. I, I just think that is so beautiful, don't you? Uh, and, and, and as you can see from that picture, she's not exactly, she's not huge, was she? And yet she, she did it. So, so here's, the, here's the heading for today, um, Courage uh, to do the right thing. So if you can please turn then to Daniel chapter 3, and let's have a little look at it together. Let me just set the scene. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are now in their mid-40s, early 50s. They've been in Babylon for 20-something years. Uh, They're successful. Um, They are well-paid members of the king's uh, administration. Everything is going well in human terms. Uh, And then the king decides that he's going to build this 90-foot uh, gold statue we're not sure if it was actually a statue of him or whether or not it was just an image um, of some sort of God but he builds it and then in Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 let's just read it together um, you, you'll see that the king makes a decision that affects everybody oh my goodness Do you know those I mentioned it last week those of us who are in leadership how we need wisdom Because bad leadership affects so many people. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So this is a big gig. right? Everybody who was anybody were there. So the satraps, the prefects, the governors, you know, all those people came to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. And they stood before it thinking, what on earth? Then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, they've got, a, they've got an orchestra, right? The horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes. Uh, I hope they weren't bagpipes. And all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing fire. Uh, talk about pressure to conform, eh? Uh, therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of these musical instruments... Um, All the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They had to conform. They had to conform to what the king said. Now, the question I want to ask is, is there a verse in scripture that comes to mind when it talks about conformity? Is there, a mind, is there a verse uh, from the New Testament that comes to mind uh, for us Christians? Uh, we're being pressured to conform. Romans 12, Romans 12 1 and 2. Thank you very much, John. Um, it's coming up on the screen for those of you that don't know it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. By the way, this is a calling to Christians. This is our job description. If you want to be a casual Christian, you're only going to live in frustration. You you won't know about the things of God. But if you live like this, if we live like this, then we will encounter God. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. J.B. Phillips translates this, Do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Oh. I've shared with you on a number of occasions that when I became a Christian at 15 and at the age of 16, I remember saying to God, God, I know that you're real and I know that Jesus died for me, but I cannot live the Christian life. Please forgive me, but I'm walking another path. Because what happened was that I tried to walk. In a way that was consistent with scripture. Which so often seemed to be running against the flow up the stream instead of down the stream. And what I discovered was that, and this is how immature I was, but it's it's true. Popularity was more important to me than obedience. Being one of the gang was more important than actually being a child of God. And so I walked uh, away because uh, the uh, power to conform is huge. And as I mentioned in that illustration earlier, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be so easy if we were able to stand just like those children were able to stand? It'd be so wonderful. There's a huge cost. In our calling to be Christians. Can I just share with you something that you may, you may sort of touch about this and whatever. I, um, I get a little bit concerned when I hear about some sort of mission initiative. Especially with young people. And there's been some sort, we've got a tent coming here in October, haven't we? But there's some sort of tent thing or whatever. And somebody will say that, oh, do you know, it's been amazing. 70 or 80 or 300 or 400 people have gone forward this week to receive Christ. Now, you might think, well, actually, Dave, you should be excited about that. Well, I'm not excited about that. And i tell you why I'm not excited about it. I'm not excited about, it. what are they being offered are they being offered some kind of low-calorie diet Christianity? Or are they being offered something that is, oh, come, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, you need Jesus, and then not to say to them, it's going to affect every aspect of their life where Christ will require everything. Now I'm convinced that actually if that was clear, far few people would go forward. This is going to cost you everything. And, and you know, uh, I would love for us to see more conversions in this in this church. Of course, I would love to see that. But I, I want people to come to Christ on, on the right terms. I want people coming to Christ knowing that they are sinners who need salvation, and that Christ, as we will celebrate the supper a uh, while, well, he has paid for the sins that are rightfully our punishment is due. But he took the punishment on himself. But he took it so. Not so that we could live casual, sin-soaked lives, but, but he did it so that our sins could be washed away and that we live sanctified, pure lives. Yeah, to, to live anything other than that is to denigrate what Christ has done for us, isn't it? There's a cost. And it cost um, these three guys. Pick it up in verse 8 with me. At this time, some astrologers, um, some of the key leaders uh, of Babylon, came forward and denounced the Jews. Um, We'll come back to, to, to that phrase in a moment. They said to the king, O king, live forever. You've issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and the other instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews uh, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve you, your gods, nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Just as an aside, I I just want to mention a couple of things here. The first one is just to highlight um, how ugly racism is. Uh, We touched on uh, this uh, last week. Uh, In verse 8 it says, at this time some astrologers came forward and denounced uh, the Jews. Denounced literally means to tear the flesh of something. A more appropriate term would be slandered. The same word is used in scripture to describe Satan as the accuser, the slanderer, the terror of flesh of the brethren. Uh, There are bigots in churches. There are racists in churches. All of us here carry prejudices. What I would invite you to do is to take your prejudice to the cross today. Jesus Christ came into the world for people irrespective of the color of their skin or their background or their traditions. He loves us all. And if we're a Christian God has called us to love him and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who is our neighbor? Humanity. So if you've got a problem with this, and most of us have got problems with some kind of prejudice, we, we bring it to the cross today. Please, would you do that? Would you do your soul a favor and do that? But, but the second thing I, 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 I want to mention here is, please be careful what comes out of your mouth. Some of you have got a bigger problem than others with this. Where it's so easy for you to grumble and mourn and criticize. Have a look at this uh, slide. I-, I put it up there because I wanted us to see it together. Please do not pull other people down. Do you know, it doesn't take a man or a woman to pull somebody else down, it takes a man to build them up. It takes a woman to build them up. Cheap shots. It says more about you than it says about the other person. Don't use your words destructively. There's enough rubbish out there. There's enough being put on us, into us, said about us. Let it never come from the brethren. And you know this, but you need to hear it. Grumbling, backbiting, gossip and malicious talk kills relationships and destroys churches. How many churches do you know that just have been split asunder? Not by the people who don't come, but by the sanctified ones. Please be careful uh, what you say. Again, if you know that this is a problem, I think it's a problem for us. We're tempted to grumble, aren't we? We're tempted to whatever. But resist it uh, because you kill not only yourself but also the church that you are part of. But let's get back to the theme uh, this morning. Being obedient to Christ sounds wonderful but it can get us into uh, trouble. Verse 13. Pick it up with me. A furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them. Is it true Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That you do not serve my gods. Or worship the image of gold I've set up. When you hear the sound of the horn. The flute. The zither. By the way I have no idea what a zither is. John do you know what a zither is? It is. It? Okay. A lyre, a harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship, the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I wonder what my response would have been. I wonder what yours would have been. I got a sneaky feeling I'd be with Harry eating the sweets because we're quite sophisticated, and what we can do, we can kid ourselves that actually by bowing down to this other thing, we won't be bowing down. We'd just be pretending to bow down. But actually, it's more important for me to live because then I can actually serve God in in what I'm doing. We justify all kinds of compromise. But these guys weren't prepared to do it. Uh, let me share um, from John Ortberg's commentary on Daniel. I, l- I love John Ortberg. Um, have a look, see what you think of it. Um, can you see the text, okay? Do I need to make the text bigger? Um, Christians living in a world as comfortable as what many of us inhabit can be tempted to believe that God would never want us to struggle or face a furnace. In fact, our primary goal in life can become what might be called furnace avoidance. Do you relate to that? He goes on to say, we can find ourselves praying, God deliver me from pain. God, deliver me from discomfort, suffering, and inconvenience. Make my life smooth. Make my journey easy. Make my years on earth comfortable. Remove all obstacles from my path. Uh, anybody pray prayers like that? Me. Um, I, I've shared with you before that we had the, the incredible privilege of having Roy Castle's uh, wife, Fiona, come to the church in Tinmouth after Roy had died. And uh, she she was a remarkable woman, loved God, Roy Castle loved God. (laughs) And as you know, he died from um, uh, cancer through passive smoking and um, uh, incredible, incredible waste of a fantastic Uh, Life but she she talked about this and she talked about and I think perhaps it's the whole protection and protection thing going Uh, She'd lost her husband. She got children and she's praying great protect them or protect them or protect them Save them from this save them from that save them from that and then she said, you know She said I felt the Lord saying to me Why are you asking me to protect them and to keep them safe from this and not for this to allow uh, for this to happen in their life? It's through those very things that I form the character of Christ in people. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, we don't worship ninety-foot statues, but I tell you what, we do worship is safety. We worship safety. We believe it is a right for us to be safe and to be comfortable and whatever. As Western Christians, God doesn't believe that. Do you know when we when we consider? Christ, Christ's life. Was there anything safe in Christ's life? Jesus said, follow me and we'll go, well, as long as long as there are stabilizers on the bike. As long as I can be wrapped up like a Michelin man so when I fall over I don't get hurt and I don't bleed. I I, I sometimes think you know that we want resurrection without death we want glory without suffering and when Jesus said to me follow me he knew where he was going he was going through Gethsemane he was going through Calvary yes the glory would come but he had to go through that and for us as human beings made in his likeness it's no different. I have had the joy and the privilege of walking with many of you who have gone through that dark valley. None of us wanted you to go through that dark valley. You didn't want that dark valley. I've had my own dark valleys. But do you know the testimony of those of us who have gone through those periods? That is where we experience Christ most powerfully. He's all that we had. Our resources had gone. It was Christ and Christ alone that could deliver us. And boy, did he deliver us. That's the testimony of so many in this room. The problem for us, of course, is that unless it's only Christ that we have left, we we counterfeit his presence with other things. you know when you have courage to make the right decisions your life is immeasurably enriched listen to these remarkable words from these guys shadrach meshach and abednego reply to the king verse 16 this is O nebuchadnezzar we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter if you are thrown into the blazing furnace sorry if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the god we serve is able to save us from it I think that speaks of wonderful faith. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And, and in many charismatic circles and in many tent meetings, okay, it'll stop there, okay? If you have enough faith, God's going to move that. But they, they're not like that. There's more maturity there. And verse 18 it says, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods Or worship the image of gold you have set up. Is this powerful? We believe that God in his omnipotent power can save us. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to compromise. We're not going to compromise our faith for you, O king. Have a look at this quote. I, um, I wrote this. I hope you agree with it. Duty cannot create a response like this. Neither can a creed or a tradition. Only love can create a response like this. I'll say say it again. I, I use this illustration a lot, but for me it's so powerful. The mothers in this room, they would go up against a lion to save their children. Not because they signed a contract uh, in motherhood, it's because they loved their children so much. That's why Milk Trade did that advert. <coughs> Swim across shark infested seas, scale cliffs, all because the lady. Ah, oh, Dina, that was pathetic, the room. <laughs> When Jesus faced the furnace of Gethsemane. The temptation to take another route. Has been recorded for all to see. But he had the courage to choose the right thing. And it was love that carried him there. Love for you and love for me ah, I don't believe you that that moves me in 1 John 4 it says this, this is this is how God showed his love among us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we love God but that he loved us and sent his son As a propitiation for our sins, or as the NIV puts it, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love will take us to places nothing else can. So, as we know, um, Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And uh, threw the, uh, the three men, the distinguished men, by the way, threw them into the furnace, which he'd heated seven times, and the people who were involved in throwing them in were killed because of the heat of the flames. But it was in the furnace that they met Jesus. It's Interesting. The king shouts out, Didn't we throw three into the furnace? How, I, how come I can see four walking around and one is like the son of the gods? That's what I was saying earlier, you know. It's, it's when we're going through those valleys, we're going through those storms, we're going through those wilderness, whatever you want to call it, going through the furnace. It's in those circumstances where we really discover Jesus. Now, not for everybody. Not for everybody. You've got to be humbly seeking him. There are people who go through terrible trials and they just end up twisted, bitter people. You will have met some. I have. And you can understand why they're twisted and you can understand why they're bitter because life sucks life out of you sometimes. But these men had thrown themselves at the feet of God. And whenever you do that, God never lets you down. And so whatever experience you're going through right now, it's it's very rare for God to take you on a diversion around that experience. And one of the reasons for that is because it's in that experience that he does some of his best work. I was with somebody just uh, just recently who was going through a terrible storm and they said the remarkable thing is is that even as I've been going through the storm I've been getting closer and closer to Jesus. That is the testimony of so many. Let me finish again with uh, just some words from Ortberg. Though going into the furnace seemed to be the last thing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wanted to do, it turned out to be the defining moment of their lives. Ironically, that which looked like a certain death sentence turned out to be the safest place of all. Why? Because God was there. The truth is, sometimes God delivers people from the furnace, but sometimes he delivers people in the furnace. It is a funny thing, they came to this place with a fearless resolve to withhold worship from a false god. They ended up worshipping the one true god. The furnace looked like the end of their lives, but it turned out to be the greatest thing they would ever experience. It is where they met God. And I just want to say to you that if God leads you into a furnace, be sure of this, he will be there with you. Be sure of this, too. He does some of his finest work in a furnace. This is my last quote. It's from Erwin Lutzer. He wrote, God often puts us in situations that are too much for us so that we will learn that no situation is too much for him.